wonderful job filling in at uh, Savannah and Savannah New Life Church and uh, love and appreciate them and their ministry. We're blessed. We're very, very blessed. Praise God. I want to draw your attention to something that the Lord has drawn my attention to. It's really simple. And tonight, the main content of what I'm going to speak to you about is going to come from the Word of God. And so if you just leave your Bibles open, we're going to look at several passages of Scripture. And if you, if you wanted the content of this and want to go back later, it'll be on the app. The notes would be available to you on the app. But the Bible tells us Jesus is talking to us. And in Luke chapter 19 and verse 13, He called His ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. I want you to read this with me. Look at the words in front of you. And he, let's read it together. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. The word or the expression there is just simply, Do business till I come. Everybody say, Let's do the business. God bless you as you're seated in Jesus' name. Let's go back to verse 11 and let's look at this, uh, beginning there at verse 11. And I'm not going to read the entire story, but I want to take your attention to the 11th verse of Luke chapter 19. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. The thirteenth verse, when you look at it as it is uh, translated to us in the Amplified Version of the Scripture, the thirteenth verse said, So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas, one apiece, each equal to about a hundred days' wages, and said to them, Do business with this until I return. Now this parable, it's a little bit different than the other ones that we've read where he gave five and two and the one talent. In this parable, each one of them had received the one pound. Each one of them had received what would have been about a hundred days wages. Now just for the sake of math, just so that I, I like to do it this way to keep it simple, let's just say that in today's money, in today's terminology, they, they were getting a hundred dollars a day. That's just a round figure. So let's say that that was a hundred days at a hundred dollars a day, that's $10,000. So he, he placed $10,000 in their hands. He gave them three months of wages. The setting of this, when you look at this, and here's where you've got to focus on why it's stated to us that as they were nearing Jerusalem, here's the reason. They were coming near Jerusalem. The setting of this is they were getting close to the Passion Week starting. They were getting close to the time that Passover was going to take place. Jesus was going to be arrested in the garden. He was going to be humiliated. He was going to be... Uh, go through all of that mockery of the trial and all of those things were about to happen. And people had this feel about it. They knew that something was going on. They knew that 
something was beginning to tighten up and, and, and come to a, a place of fruition. You ever had that feeling? You just know something's about to happen. So they, they knew that there was something about to begin to shape up. And as they neared Jerusalem, there were some in the group that was around Jesus that thought the kingdom, the earthly kingdom, was going to be coming about, coming into existence really soon. You that study the Bible, you know that the last question that the apostles asked Jesus was in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 when they said, Lord, will you restore again at this time, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? So the setting of all of this is they were questioning how quickly the kingdom of God was going to be set up. As they were nearing Jerusalem, they knew that the day was close, the day was upon them, that the arrest and the trial and the beating and the mockery and the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection and then the ascension of the Lord was going to take place. And he gave them this story. He gave them this parable in that setting. He said the kingdom is like this. It's about, a, about the Lord or about a nobleman going on a long journey and he entrusts his servants with his possessions. He turns his business over to his servants. And he gave to each of his servants an equal amount. And as I told you all ago, this differs from the other stories that we find of the parable of the talents, where they gave five and two, or he gave five, two, and one, each according to his own ability. But he handed his goods to his servants. He gave his business over to his servants, and he simply told them, Occupy till I come, or conduct business till I get back. Y'all with me? Conduct business till I get back. He, he this, is, this is a story of our Lord. This is a story of what you and I are all about, and this is why you and I are here in this place tonight. He went away and is returning. Is there anybody in this room that believes that our Lord is returning? He went away and he is returning. And when he went away, he left everything needed to do business until he returns. He has left within the hands of his servants everything that is needed to do business until he returns. And then the third thing that we've got to pay, pay note to is this fact that upon his return, there will be an accounting. It's just as simple as that. He went away and is returning. He left everything needed to do his business until he returns. And upon his return, there will be an accounting. I'm not going to read the parable. I'm going to just focus on those two verses that we've read. But if you read on through the rest of it, as Luke had recorded what Jesus said, you find that those who rejected him will be held accountable for their rejection. You also find that those who were industrious and faithful will be rewarded for that. And you also find that those who were fearful and slothful will be rewarded for that. The church is his business. The kingdom is his rule. The kingdom is the spiritual aspect of the rule of God. The kingdom is his rule, but the church is his business. The church is the visible element of the kingdom of God. I stated last week that the church is the visible manifestation of the unseen greatness of God. 
The glory of God is revealed in His church. It's revealed through His church. Paul writes to us and he tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to corroborate all of this just with Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Paul said, this is my prayer. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the, in the heavenly places. Far above all principality. Everybody say far above. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet. Everybody say under. under. His authority, His power is far above everything and everything is under His feet. And He gave Him to be head over all things to the church which is His body. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Now I don't know what your mindset is about the church, but I am very, very thankful to be part of the church. I am very grateful to be placed in the body of Christ, to be in His church. I'm thankful for it. I love the church. I don't talk bad about the church. I defend the church. Am I with anybody tonight? I don't talk bad about the church. I defend the church. When people go wanting to talk bad about the church, I, I, I don't involve myself in that conversation unless it is to step up and speak in the defense of the church because the church is His and we're part of it. And this is the greatest organization on the face of this earth. Praise God. And those of us that are in the church, those of us that are part of the church, those of us that are in his body, you flip over the next page in Ephesians. I'm not going to read the whole book of Ephesians. It just seems like that. But Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, Paul says, And you, poke your neighbor and say, You, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The word quickened means that you've been made alive. Anybody remember when you were dead? Anybody remember when you were dead in sin? Anybody here tonight remember when you were in a fog? You didn't know which way was up at one point in your life, but the Lord brought you up out of that state. And you, who hath he, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins? Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You saints of God may not realize it, but you walked one time under the authority of Satan himself. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might shew the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace... 
Are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What we used to be, we no longer are. What we used to do, we no longer do. The job we used to have, we got relieved from that job, and now we've got a better job. Amen? We got the best job. We were working for Satan. Now we're working for the Lord. We were working for the rulers and the powers of darkness. Now we're working for the kingdom of light. Thank God. Thank God. Then Paul goes on and flip another page in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. Paul continues and he says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore I desire that you faint not in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. That's what we're here for, all of us together. He wants us to be growing together. He wants us to have an understanding and grasp hold of all of this, have a perspective, have a realization of how great God is, the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's who we are. Everybody say, that's who I am. We are the visible manifestation of the unseen greatness of God. The world sees how great God is when they see the church. And then he delivered unto the church his goods. I didn't forget where we started. We just have to understand who we are. When he talks about the nobleman, when he talks about that one that went on a journey, he's talking about our Lord. When he's talking about his servants, that's us. We have to put ourselves into that story. That's who we are. This is who the story is for. And he delivered unto the church his goods. Paul calls them gifts. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, Paul says, Having then gifts according to, or differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, that's serving, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. 1 Corinthians 12 Verse 7, Paul said, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to, the, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these things work at that one in the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And then jumping down to verse 27, Paul says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of, of, of miracles? No, we're not. We're all fitly framed together for the efficient work of the kingdom of God and for the church. And God has placed us where we are. Our giftings are different, but God has placed us here with an equal responsibility. Every single one of us have an equal responsibility. That's why when we talk about the church, and y'all been hearing this for years... So this is why we say that the church is not where we go, it's who we are. You meet at this location, but the church is not where we go, the church is who we are. The church is His church. It doesn't belong to us, the church is His church. We are His servants. And the church is the Lord's business and we are here to do business until he comes. Now there are some people that are a part of the church that if they manage their own personal business the way they do his business, they would be out of business. I'm going to say it again. There are some people that are part of the church that if they manage their own personal business the way they do his business, they'd be out of business. We have a responsibility to conduct the business that the Lord has put within our hands. And there's coming a day that we will give an accounting for how we've handled his business. When the owner comes back and he says, okay, let's, let's give an account. All of those that rejected me, they're gone. Now the rest of y'all that I gave my stuff to, let's, let's hear what you did. And when he begins doing that reckoning, we're going to have to stand before him and give an account. I'm thankful to be part of the church. Have I said that yet? I'm thankful to be part of the church. I'm excited to be part of the church. I, I, I'm grateful. I'm a church geek when it comes to it. All I think about is just, I think about the Word of God, the things of God. I think about the church. I really ain't interested in a whole lot of other stuff. I'm thankful for the church. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. This is where the church came into existence with His words Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, the coast, that's the region. It's not a coastline. They weren't walking on the beach. It's a region. And actually, in this area where they were, it was a mountainous area, and there was no beach around. So he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're Jeremiah, and some say you're one of the prophets. But he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. The truth that Simon just said, that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, that was a divine revelation. And he said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock is the divine revelation of truth. Upon this truth I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and what are of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He gave this to the church. He gave this authority to the church. The keys to the business. The authority from the owner. And the literal backing of heaven. The church is the physical arm of the spiritual kingdom of God. The church is the physical aspect of the spiritual kingdom of God. So I come tonight, and I'm not going to I'm not going to be long. We understand this is uh, the school night, and so I'm not going to be real long. But I have to ask you this question: Are we doing business well? Are we doing business well? I don't know why, but God was just really stirring me up earlier this week about these things. Because y'all have seen this happen. I've never been a business owner per se, but I did have my own business at one time. And I know that, that business to do a successful business You've got, to, you've got to focus on your business. You've got to focus on it. You've got to build it. You've got to work it. You've got to do it. And especially if you are your own business. And so to ask, are we doing business well? To me, it's a, it's a very legitimate question. When, we, when it comes to this, are we doing his business well? And by that I mean what he gave to us, what he entrusted to us, what he has placed within our hands, what he's placed within us. We have everything that we need to be successful in the business that he's placed us in. What are we doing with this? There's three elements I want us to look at to tie all this together. Number one is he became one with us. We become one with him and we're in business together. Are we taking care of business? Now, if I could sing, I'd grab a guitar and imitate Elvis real quick and do that taking care of business. But I don't even know the song. He became one with us. Everybody say one with us. How many of you know that God has always been mindful of his people? There's never been one time that he has been, not been mindful of his people. You see this going all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 when he's getting ready to bring his, his uh, covenant people out of Egypt. And the Lord spoke to Moses at the bush that was burning. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cries by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And then he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to bring them out. Isaiah prophesied about this idea of, of God knowing and being mindful of us. He prophesied about 
the Lord. And he used these words in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, Matthew picked up on what Isaiah had said. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, or Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Jesus taught us this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, Neither do they reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? If his eyes are on the sparrow, it's on you. He knows where you are. Amen. And then notice how Paul kind of just brought it home, talking about Jesus taking on our nature in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He took on the flesh that we are in. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to secure or to work with help those that are tempted. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What he's saying, brother, he's saying that we've got to get a hold of the fact that he didn't just say, here, we'll give you some. He's, he's, he's intimately connected to what we and I go through. Right. He knows where we are. He knows what, what we battle. He, he was acquainted with these things. And he's given us everything we need right. to be right. able yeah. to succeed. David right. wrote from the cave, and I love this. David wrote from a cave in Psalm 142, verse 3. He said, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way where I walk, how they probably laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld that there was no man that would know me. Refuge fell me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portrait, or portion in the land of the living. Would you poke your neighbor and say, He's one with us? I know some of y'all asked me, but asked me to poke your neighbor. I'm sorry about that. I'm just going to start saying, Would you smack? Is that work? No, still, still don't take that too far. I read a meme by preachers that do stuff like that to poke your neighbor. There's a meme I just read it the other day that said, poke your neighbor in the eye. I said, did you see that? I can do that. 
his plan, it's his purpose, it was his prayer that we would be one with him. With full access to him. In John 17, 20, he's praying this. Jesus is praying. And he said, neither pray after these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. This is his prayer. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. One minute, let me read those few verses there in Exodus, or, or Ephesians chapter 2, one more time. Because it ties with this thought. And you have to be quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. For in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had a conversation in time past. In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling in the desires of the flesh and the mind, or by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are we saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. One with him. But notice what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and, and, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became one with us so that we can become one with him. And then he's handed off the business to us until he returns. The final thing I want you to look at with me is this. Taking care of business. I want to be about my father's business. The principle of occupation, of conquest, of expansion, this principle of, of growth and moving, this is established in the Old Testament. And then it's handed off to us in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21, as the children of Israel were getting ready to conquer the land, God said, Thou shalt not be frightened at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible and the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings unto thine hand. 
and thou shalt destroy thy name from un, their name from under heaven. There shall no more or no man be able to stand before thee until thou hast destroyed them. Now I know I probably I got to I feel like I'm putting some of y'all to sleep. But you, you get this idea when God gives this promise. God gave this promise to, to Moses and then it was handed off to Joshua. And he said, okay, you're going to just have a continual, ongoing, progressive occupation, conquest, expansion of, of what you're doing. There never is a place of stagnation. There never is a place of stopping. There never is a place of saying this is where we, we just stop. The Word of God comes to us in Micah and God speaks to His people and says, you've got to understand this is not your rest. This is not where you end up. You've got to keep going. There never is a time that the church is not staying about the Lord's business. There never is a time that we just say, okay, we're going to settle in and this is as far as we're going. And so this idea is handed to us as the examples given to us of the conquest of the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt and taken over the promised land. Joshua was told this by God in Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of, of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. God is reiterating what he had told Moses that Moses recorded there in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Do you believe he's with us? How many of you believe he's with us? How many of you believe it's God's will that you and I, as this part of his body, of his church, how many of you believe that it's his will that we be victorious? How many of you believe it's his will that we be expanding, that we be progressing, that we be moving forward, that we be overtaking territories? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that we're to be pushing back darkness in our community, spreading the light? Just want to make sure we're on the same page because that's his business. Jesus stated, and I'm tying this together, Jesus stated in in John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat 
is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. For as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 14, 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than, he, than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. In Mark chapter 16, right before he left, Jesus said this in Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And Acts 1 verse 8 could be inserted in that when Jesus said that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Mark 16, 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I want you all to read this verse with me. We're almost done. I want you to read this 20th verse with me. Ready? And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. That's following the day of Pentecost. They went forth, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. His very power, His very presence, His very spirit was with them, doing the work. Now, I've heard somebody say before, we just want to have good church. Just want to have good church. And I tried to get my head wrapped around that statement. What do you mean when you say we just want to have good church? Well, I think what they meant was we just want to come together. We just want to have a little praise and worship. And we want everybody to feel good about life and go home happy. Well, that's not having good church. Having good church is seeing regularly new souls being added to the church. Having good church is seeing regularly the signs of, uh, of, of following the believers. Having good church is pushing back darkness and spreading the light of God's truth. I believe with everything within me that the apostolic anointing is upon us. I believe with everything within me that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe he still heals and I still believe he uses our hands to touch people, to transfer the power of the word of God from, our, from him to, to them to see the wonderful works of God manifest right here in Lexington, Tennessee. Paul said this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna conclude. One more passage and one more verse. Paul says, wherefore, Colossians 1.25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. 
Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I want us to look at that 29th verse again. I want you to read it with me. Ready? Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. He handed the business off to us. And then he said, I'm, I'm going to hand it off to you. And I'm going to go and I'm going to send back the power that you need to be able to conduct the business successfully. And I'm going to be with you. Everything you do, I'm going to be right there with you. By my spirit that is working in you, I'm going to be working. And you just go forth and you're going to see these signs that are going to follow the church. Moses was the one that wrote the 90th Psalm. It's a prayer. Moses said... In verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Moses is saying this, and if y'all have ever heard me preach at a funeral, I use this verse of scripture. Moses said, Lord, our days are brief on this earth. It may be 70 or 80 years. And so we need you to teach us to number our days. The word number there is to count. It's not to count as in how many days we have. If y'all think about it, Friday is Sister Pollock's 89th birthday. And you might wish her a happy birthday on Friday. Tomorrow is Brooklyn's sixth birthday, is that right? And um, she's, she's wearing a tiara, tiara around here tonight, birthday girl, so y'all know. We like to count birthdays. We like to count them. My big six O's coming up in a couple of years in June. What is that? Ten months. So, I, I'm going to throw myself a party. My wife has refused to do it. So, I'm going to start planning my own surprise 60th birthday party and make sure everybody's here. I'll plan it and then forget it. That's, part, that's the good, good thing about getting older. But when he says, so teach us to number our days. He's not saying count how many birthdays you've had. He said, teach me to make my days count. Help me to make my days count. We only have a window, a little window of time. What are we doing with that window? So he's gonna come back, the master's gonna come back. He's gonna say, I left everything you needed to, to, to conduct business while I was gone. How well have you done business? Now I'm not here. I'm not here to get worn out, discouraged and quit. I wanna get in that same mindset where Paul said that I am working with him who is working in me mightily. He placed me on a team and he placed me within me the power to be able to accomplish everything that he's expected me to do. Now right now I want to close with reading a little parable about the little red hen. Y'all know this story? I won't close with this. End on a spiritual note. Once upon a time, there was a little red hen who owned a wheat field. 
Who will help me harvest the wheat? She asked. Not I, said the pig. I don't know how. Not I, said the cow. I'm too clumsy. Not I, said the dog. I'm too busy with other things. So the little red hen did it herself. Who will help me grind the wheat into flour? She asked. Not I, said the pig. That's another vocation in which I'm untrained. Not I, said the cow. You could do it more efficiently. Not I, said the dog. I'd love to, but I'm involved in some matters of greater urgency. Some other time, perhaps. So the little red hen did it herself. Who will help me make some bread, said the little red hen. Not I, said the pig. Nobody ever taught me how. Not I, said the cow. You're more experienced and could do it in half the time. Not I, said the dog. I made some other plans for the afternoon, but I'll help you the next time. So the little red hen did it herself. That evening when the guest arrived for her, arrived, pardon me, for her big dinner party, well, the little red hen had nothing to serve them except bread. She had been so busy doing work that could have been done by others that she had forgotten to plan a main course, prepare a dessert, or even get out the silverware. The evening was a disaster, and she lived unhappily ever after. When I read that, I'm like, whoa. I could put a whole lot of people in that parable. We're not here to try to get everything done by ourselves. And when we try to get everything done by ourselves, something's always left undone. But when we realize the efficiency of everybody doing their part and everybody realizing that it's all part of his business, and when we line up and say, I want to take care of his business, things are going to be done effectively. They're going to be done efficiently. They're going to be done powerfully. They're going to be done in an incredible way. And the church is going to grow and God's going to be glorified and darkness is going to be pushed back. And we're going to see a mighty move of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's stand our feet and clap our hands to the Lord right now.